0: This is a Life School Podcast episode number 160. And today, we're going to talk about why most Christians suck at partying and how to be a better party animal. Life School Podcast, where each week you'll learn how to live with greater intentionality and an integrated faith that naturally fits into every area of life. This is the stuff that your parents, teachers, and pastors forgot to tell you. I'm Heath Hollinsby, and I'm here with your host, Caesar Kalinowski. Hey, Heath. The resident party animal. I love that, su- <laughs> that super cool intro. I that, know, Prince,
1: Are you just so missing, <laughs> Prince? <laughs> I know.
0: Musical genius,
1: huh? Holy cow. He certainly was, man. And you know, um... You know, brush with greatness, and uh-huh. everything I used to do on a show, whatever, like yep. Letterman or something. So years ago, as when I was a record producer, I actually I produced a couple records um, for different artists, and we hired Prince's band. No way. <laughs> yeah, well, the keyboard player Mo was uh, is a Christian, and so I got to know him, and uh-huh. so we stay there with him, and anyway, oh, we, um, yeah, crazy. So he he took us into Paisley, and you know, we got like a bunch of guitar picks for laying around Prince's picks and all that stuff. No way. And then he took, one night he, we were there and he snuck us into um, the rehearsal place, which is that big, like, it's a, it's like a movie uh, set. It's a, what do huh. they call it? when they Like they, a sound stage? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it was a closed set. Prince was filming a video and it was the night that he was being given the finished Prince cymbal guitar. It was right in that oh era when gosh. it was like the armor, right? Yeah. F- armor, ar- artists formerly known. And so they, they give him that guitar that night and then he's going to film this video, but it was a closed set. Not, he, he wasn't even letting hair and makeup in, but my buddy snuck me and this artist in that i was producing amy walter and uh so we're standing there and it's like hardly anybody's in there and it's this whole set man and it's like they're going and then this all of a sudden Prince sees us looks right at me and he goes leans over to this like you know 400 pound you know bouncer dude (laughs) security says something and the guy comes down and kicks us out you
0: know no (laughs) way yeah oh
1: what a cool experience and then they were supposed to have this after party and we sat out in the lobby uh, of paisley while they or it was this thing where where they set up a whole like Concert stage and lighting and smoke machines and food tables and drinks and all this. And then Prince was like using his new guitar and uh, some of the high frets didn't work out right. And he got really upset and just he got really angry and canceled everything, canceled the party. And the whole crew came out, and tore it all back
0: down. No way. I heard he's a quirky. I heard he spent 30 days uh, with a mic stand attached Like, he slept with it. He took showers with it. Like, 30 days just to get familiar (laughs) with it. This is probably way too much Prince for everybody. (laughs) Anyway, partying. We're in a good
1: mood. (laughs) We're going to talk about partying today and uh, how the gospel speaks into this. Of course it does, because the gospel speaks into every area of life, right? right. But anyway.
0: um, Hey, one of the things let's start it off with is our... Like, the, the fun part of the show is getting to... Hear back reviews from people that listen and are encouraged Yeah, and emails and all that stuff. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, so some two recent reviews, uh, Cameron in Canada said, Loving this conversation and content, simply put, I love this podcast. It challenges my faith in a good and healthy way. I'm growing in my understanding of God and the great adventure mission that Jesus calls his followers into. The podcast is insightful yet practical. Awesome. There are tangible application steps every week. The podcast is a blessing to my wife and I and our communities. We grow in loving God and loving our neighbors. Well, thanks, Thanks, Cameron. Cameron. Canadians are always the kindest. They're so nice. Not as nice as Brits. No, they try. (laughs) (laughs) And then uh, Mitch Aldridge wrote... um, practical wisdom every monday been listening for a while now and absolutely love this podcast caesar and Heath do an amazing job of providing practical wisdom on how to live a life of christian discipleship and mission and they're consistent We're trying to get a new episode every week and it's always great and helpful if you haven't subscribed yet you don't want to miss another week well done guys and keep it up and we will well and thanks mitch I'll hey push. and if, if you haven't yet left a review on itunes please head over there give us a couple stars let us know you're listening which you like actually on, the on our show,
1: show on our show notes page yep. the podcast site which we give the you know the address a zillion times at the end there's a link right there to go to iTunes and leave a review it's like yeah. click and super you just simple. do it it's super simple all and right dude that's how you can kind of pay us man <laughs> yeah no one's and we'll paying keep us we
0: producing every monday yeah. it's kind of fun hey i know we got a lot to get to today yes. because partying is a massive part of the gospel so um, it really is it would be super easy for us to throw out a comment like god loves to party and not back it up throughout scripture Uh, would you mind taking us back a bit through the text to see, like, if God does have a proven track record of (laughs) celebrating? Absolutely, he does. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah,
1: I'm gonna, probably gonna have to move a little quick here at the beginning, just because there's so much, like, we could do, literally, we could do a seven-part series on this or something. But, so probably people know if you've read the whole Bible, you read the whole thing, God mandates for Israel a, a series of annual festivals and celebrations to be participated in together as a community in rhythm. So every year without fail, sure. it was part of the law. It was kind of, here's how my family will roll. And so there was hmm. these festivals and they all served as reminders of how the people would actually live out their lives every day. Hmm not just during the festival, Sure, makes sense? So like, here's this series of festivals that are all gonna show you something about what I'm like yep. and how you get to live, That's awesome, right? Man. So I mean, yeah. that was that was baked right yeah. into the rhythm. So I mean, check this out, Leviticus 23, it says, the Lord said to Moses, speak to the Israelites and say to them, these are my appointed feasts, the appointed feasts of the Lord, which are, you were to proclaim as sacred assemblies. Hmm. And, and and then check out, he adds right to it. There are six days when you may work, but the seventh is the Sabbath of rest a day of sacred assembly so you know don't work but wherever you live it's a sabbath so the first thing even connected to these seven celebrations god sort of says here's the umbrella that goes all over it he commands a weekly celebration that's so cool a weekly sabbath it's a day of rest and it's the most mandated of all the celebrations like sabbath comes up in the law and throughout scripture more than anything else huh okay that's cool so what's the gospel picture in that well It's a way of showing that we rest in his care and provision and his ultimate provision in Christ, not in our own. Hmm. And so ultimately, the Sabbath, like understanding that and living that and seeing it as celebration, not just a cessation of work or labor, is the most important of all celebrations. It sort of assumes the others. Hmm. Because if we're not believing the gospel and resting in him and his provision, then the rest of these, they really don't have the weight in the character of yeah God sure that, that we, makes sense right so i ask you know i often ask people how are you doing it at, at having a regular rhythm of sabbath hmm. and in sabbath celebration
0: that's a great question dude <laughs> it's hard
1: right yeah, we, you know we think of sabbath as a day well it was but it was the point behind it was do you understand the gospel yeah, do you understand? to remind you that yeah you get to rest and you get to celebrate me yeah. Not you, yeah, you know, that's cool. in my provision, right? So anyway, so then God goes on in verse 4 there of Leviticus 23. He says, so these are the appointed feasts, the Lord's appointed feasts, the sacred assemblies that you're to proclaim. Now, here's where I'm going to go through them faster. These are seven. Some of them lasted a day or two. Some of them lasted for like a week or more. Sure. Okay. But they all were like this huge picture of what God was like and a demonstration of how they got to live. So keep, keep that like as your filters, okay? Okay. So the first one that's listed here is the Passover, and we, we know uh, if we know the story at all, the Passover and that festival and feast was them celebrating God's deliverance from slavery right. back when they were slaves for 400 years in Israel. And then, you know, all the plagues with Pharaoh and all that. Right. Yep. So it's the Passover. That's the first one. We're supposed to celebrate every year. What's the gospel picture there? It looks forward to Christ completely fulfilling everything in us for us and rescuing us. And it's trusting you know, this sounds crazy, like, okay, you're going to kill a lamb, you're going to put its blood under what? you know? Yeah. Trusting in God's plan of deliverance in Christ's shed blood. That's mm. what the Passover is all about. It's cool. It's a release from slavery. Slavery of what? Human bondage. Yeah. That's what they were, right? Wow. So that's the first one. Second one, the, the festival or feast of unleavened bread. Now, this one we're not as familiar with, so I'm just going to have to summarize, but there's a lot in there. You can go and read it, though, but it's, the, it's a preparation uh, for searching and removing the leaven, which is like yeast, from your house, and it actually began uh, before Passover. So the wife, she goes throughout the house, and she would uh, clean the house and remove any leaven from it, and in the Bible, leaven is always symbolic of sin. Okay? Hmm. So in cleaning the house, the wife's instructed to purposely leave 10 small pieces of leaven, though, in the house it's crazy right yeah. and then the father takes the children along with a candle a wooden spoon and a feather <laughs> look at the visuals yeah, here That's amazing and a piece of linen cloth and then him and the kids search through the house to try to find these 10 pieces of leaven and by nightfall on the day before passover a final and like really thorough search of the house is performed and at that time then the house is completely dark wow. except for candles now, once the father and the kids find all the leaven, he sets the candle down by the leaven, and he lays the wooden spoon besides the leaven, the yeast, the little balls of yeast. Then he uses the feather to sweep the leaven, the yeast, onto the spoon. Okay. Check, check this visual here.
0: It's amazing, the symbolism.
1: And without touching the leaven, right? And he yeah. takes the feather and the spoon and the leaven, and he wraps it all up in this linen cloth, and he casts it out the door of the house. The next morning, he goes into the synagogue, and he puts the linen cloth and its contents into a fire, and they burn it all up. Wow now what's this picture of man people aren't getting it yet it's the burial of Christ huh. right wow. w- the wooden spoon represents the tree that Christ died upon now remember this originally started happening thousand years plus yeah you know I mean like sure eons before the cross the leaven when we already said is sin it's swept up onto the spoon the tree the cross right as part of that ceremony so that's what's going on there this festival they're like God was preparing their hearts yeah the what day the that, that, yeah, that, 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 you know, crucifixion and burial of Christ. So third feast is the festival of first fruits. Okay. All so right. when, when they would have their, their harvest was ripe, the barley and wheat and all that was ready to be like, like harvested. That's when that happened. Okay. And so, uh, they would, they would take one sort of sheaf or big stock from a standing harvest and they would bring it to their priest at the, at the, um. Uh, uh, well, either at the temple or prior to that, at the tabernacle, huh. right? And then that lone sort of sheaf or branch was called the the sheaf of first fruits, and the priest was then to take this one sheaf and and then wave it before the Lord of the house. So three times a year, God commanded the people to come to Jerusalem. Okay. They were to come back, sort of at a home base, spring, summer, and fall, and the reasons were to celebrate Passover, Pentecost, and the Feast of Tabernacles. All three of these were agricultural harvest festivals, okay? Hmm. Pentecost is the wheat harvest. We'll talk about the festival of Pentecost later. But both of these festivals are first fruit harvest before the final harvest, okay? Yeah. And it was to come at the end of the year uh, during the festival of Tabernacles. So one's festival is even within the other one. So what's what's the gospel picture going on here? The, this theme of this festival of first fruits is about resurrection and salvation and new life and new beginning. Huh. And they think about it, every year you have harvest. Sure. Well, and they had three. So, but every year, and God's saying, I want you to celebrate that. I want you to actually think about it and party yeah. <laughs> around new life and provision. And it it just keeps goodness, coming. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. think about it. Jesus is the firstborn of Mary. Jesus was the first begotten of the Father. It says that in Hebrews. He's Jesus was the firstborn of every creature, it says in Colossians. He's the first begotten from the dead revelation Jeez, tells yeah. us he's the firstborn of many brethren. see jesus is the first fruits of all the resurrected ones that's us now yeah so they they were partying that they didn't even know it just going to town yeah. one of these one of these days i want to do like a whole sort of like here's the seven feasts and here's how they were completed in christ and here's the gospel and here's a modern way we can participate in with our kids oh, that'd be fun wouldn't that be cool yeah it'd be really cool yeah i'm not sure if there's anything quite like that out there so the fourth thing now fourth festival they were commanded like hey this is part of your life rhythm was the Feast of Pentecost, the celebration of Pentecost, hmm. which was the original Pentecost was the giving of the Torah, the giving of the law. God gave it to Moses up on a mountain, right? Yeah. And uh, it was amongst fire and clouds and all that. So that, they, they, that was the giving of Torah. Okay. It, that, that word is commonly translated as law in English. And it doesn't mean law like we think of the laws, like, hey, cop's going to bust you or you know go to jail for law. Sure. But instruction or teaching, that's really what the word Torah meant. Okay. okay. And understanding the meaning of the word Torah, we can see that the Torah was never intended, nor should it ever be understood to mean a code of like do's and don'ts. Yeah. But Pentecost, we think of it as like what? New Testament, right? When the, fire the comes down, tongues, Holy yeah. Spirit, all that, right? Well, that they were there for the this same festival because it was mandated and Jews huh. were celebrating in Jerusalem year after year after year. Wow. Okay. And so what's that looking forward to the picture of the gospel? When the Spirit would come, instead of the law being written on tablets, yeah. I'm going to write my laws
0: on your hearts On your
1: hearts, yeah. man. And so you'll, how will you know to live in my ways and how will you discern all my word and all the things we're going to look at next week? We're going to talk about the word in the Bible. Is it fallible? Is it real? Can we trust yeah. it? You know, how would you know the spirit will illuminate that? That's right? So cool. So that was going on. They were celebrating that way back right after the giving of the law, all the way up through what we call Pentecost. Yeah crazy that's amazing i can do a whole episode on Pentecost. a uh, fifth one was the feasts of trumpets rosh hashanah some people have heard yeah. that's the new jewish new year that's right? right okay so here's something interesting a theme and a term associated with the feast of trumpets in he in hebrew is hemelech the king and so the shafar blown on the feast of trumpets which is like this horn kind of yeah, natural horn made out of a rams anymore. trumpet yeah. or whatever yeah is known as the last trump Go look that up, 1 Corinthians 15. Huh. So in a flash of the eye, in a twinkling, I'm sorry, in the flash, in the twinkling of eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised. So who blows the final trumpet? Th- Thessalonians 4.16 says, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. So they would celebrate this Rosh Hashanah, at the beginning of a new year, the blowing of a horn. Ba-ba-ba, who blows it? God, Christ, God himself. So what's the gospel in that? The resurrection from the dead and the coming of Christ. Wow. They're so, they've been celebrating this, man, forever. Yeah. See, so you can see the pattern. Like, there's this definite rhythm. Do you rhythm. see all the different pictures, cool. too, of the gospel yeah, going on here? It's a here? spectrum, yeah. It's not just one monochromatic understanding. God, yeah, God's going to save you, yeah. you know? Like, you could pick any one of them. They're beautiful. But think about it. This was their year. Yeah. Hey, so oh, you're like telling your kids, hey, next no. month we're celebrating that. Yeah, yeah You know. it's beautiful. Okay. So you wonder, like, how did they miss it? Yeah. When he came and he died and he rose again. I mean, it's all been, right? They've been selling, so you've been partying this thing. you know. Yeah, it's in your DNA. Okay. So it's Christ who will complete all things and holds the future in his control. That's what's going on with that celebration. The sixth festival was the Day of Atonement. Oh my gosh, it's one of my favorite ones. We do the story of God. You've been through it with me. It's yeah. the Day of Atonement is when um, the sins of the nation, they come together. It's their biggest party. They come together and, and instead of like individual sins being sacrificed for and forgiven, yep. it was as a nation. And the high priest would go into God's actual presence in the Holy of Holies, in the, in the, in the, um, in the tabernacle, in the tent. And he would sacrifice for the sins of the people. And it was this amazing day. And then there was a second goat. He would put his hands on the second goat and he would confess all the sins of the people. And it was taken away, never to be seen again. It's called the scapegoat, or yeah. the word is Azazel. And so what God was doing in this is like, not only will I forgive your sins, but as a people, so this is weird because we thought we think of an individual gospel, yeah. day of atonement, their biggest party as a people, you will all be forgiven. And then all your sins will be placed on this head of this goat and it'll be led away never to be seen again.
0: Yeah. Sound and, familiar? Yeah.
1: Yeah. And God is saying, Hey, in the day of judgment, right? Jesus enters into the Holy of Holies as our high priest making atonement for our sins but he'll also be our scapegoat in other words he the sin has been removed and that's a, such a mm. beautiful picture is not only has jesus paid the penalty for our sins and we're forgiven but our sins are now removed from the equation relationally yeah never to be seen again can, yeah. can you imagine like he's going like i really do believe jesus died for my sins but man i'm talking to god in prayer all the time and i just keep going over the pile you know yeah. the list
0: god's like what sins Heath?'"
1: yeah God doesn't see us as the former or the, you know, well, Heath used to
0: do this. Prayer. He's like, yeah, I remember you confessed this yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's
1: like, nope. no, see, that's not, that's what that whole celebration of the day atonement. Oh. And it was a big deal because when the goat would leave, oh, the high priest would come out and people would go nutty and they had the biggest party of the year because okay. they were all forgiven and their sins were removed. Never. Like it doesn't come up again. Yeah. Like it we're is, not that way with each other, are we? Not at all. I mean, think about it. Even when you've truly forgiven someone you deeply love, your wife, your kids, me because i'm your best friend now (laughs) Um, but you know when we hurt each other or we sin against each other we might forgive it seriously but we don't really forget it do we you can think about like 10 then. years ago, like, oh, I love that guy. But man, 10 years ago, kind of jacked me around, you know. Mm-hmm. That and it hurt. affects
0: the way you go in a future relationship, too. Like, yeah, remember he burned me Not like this God. before. Yeah. Not
1: God. He looks at everybody clean, forgiven, sins removed. Oh, crazy.
0: I'm going to practice this on my neighbor's dog. Send it to never be seen again, you know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, seventh feast. Feast of Tabernacles, also called the Sukkot. That's their final festival. Okay. And um, it's usually translated as Tabernacles okay. or, or the Festival of Booths. How it started was... Um, God wanted them to celebrate and remember all the years that they traveled in the wilderness. Yeah, right. Forty, right? Like a long time, right? Uh, and they lived in what booths? These yeah. little tabernacles, these coats they were called. And and when the tabernacle would move, God would move pyre, the pillar of yeah. pillar of fire at night, the pillar smoke, of, cloud, of cloud. They yeah. would pack up these coats, these booths, these little tents, and they would follow it. Huh. God was their leader. He was their provision. He was their, you know, in war he was ahead of all that. And so this thing would occur for seven days usually september ish october followed by a special eighth day check this out so um there's there's a quick transition from high holidays with with and and had kind of a somber mood of repentance and judgment to a holiday of rejoicing and celebration that Mm -hmm. last day and the people are commanded to build this hut okay now they weren't living this way anymore right after you know they got to the promised land but they build this hut, this Sukkot, or temporary dwelling, and make it their home for the week. Imagine taking a tent out back with the kids or some cardboard. <laughs> so we live it. in the backyard for a week, kids, and we're going to think about God's provision as we travel along life, yeah. trusting him, right? And that's what they were doing. And so they would do this, right? And it was to remember entering the promised land. And when they did that, if you remember from Scripture, that was like, they went nuts. Yeah. It was great rejoicing. It was also of God's command: build me a tabernacle where I can dwell among my people. Hmm. See, when when God built His Sukkot, His temple, and had them build it, right? But yep. He built it. It was He said, "Build me a place where I can dwell amongst the people I love." And so, not only was this like, "Hey," when we were on the road with God for all those years and living in tents, living in these little sacoats, God was with us, but He also built His own. So he could live with us among us and yeah. his presence dwell there in the Holy of the Holy. I mean, so, see all the imagery going so cool. on. So what's the gospel? It's this day of fulfillment. Hey, we're making it to the promise and we are going to make it. God once again makes his dwelling amongst mankind. Yeah. And that's where we're heading, man. You know, revelation 21, it says that, right? You're, yeah. You know, it says, I saw a holy city. the new. That's us. Okay. <laughs> by the way, the new Jerusalem, Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from, and from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed with her husband and i heard a loud sound a loud voice from the throne saying now the dwelling of god is with men and he will live with them and they'll be his people and god himself will be with them and be their god and he'll wipe away every tear from their eyes there'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for all the old muck is gone and passed away
0: yeah i love that
1: see that's where it's going and so he commanded it so so i hope i hope you're catching i hope our listeners are catching god mandates seven festivals there's actually other ones but these are the main ones and sure it's this, it's this ongoing from all these different beautiful angles and pictures, deep visceral understanding of who he is and what he's doing in his redemption and in through his son, yeah. right? He mandates these festivals and celebrations to be participated year after year without fail. And they all served as a demonstration of our trusting in God for our needs and a way of showing how we rest in him. Mm. But, so it was a reminder of that, but it also was this demonstration to the rest of the world watching. And we've talked about this before, that that like our even our church services, all of life when we gather can be a reminder and a demonstration. This comes right out of this series of feasts. Hmm. It was a reminder of all these things that were true about God, what he was working out in the future. Yep. And a demonstration of how you get to live in hope and rest throughout every day, every week, every month.
0: I love that. I mean, what if we participate in these kind of rhythms now? Well, yeah. I don't have time for that. Well, we get to man. Look like at Revelation. This is our future. Our future is a giant celebration, right? Right. <laughs> Isn't it amazing to know that's how it all ends? Yeah. Like, like sorry You're to not tell you, sorry to ruin singing the movie all the time.
1: <laughs> sorry to ruin it for you, but anyway.
0: Okay, so uh, I know a lot of people who tend to take the abstaining or maybe even the retracting from culture approach or stance to celebrating. What would you say to those sort of people? Uh,
1: yeah. And especially around certain things like, you know, certain ways of partying. and people have their list of things or do's and don'ts and don't play cards or don't dance or don't don't drink or whatever. You know, we'll talk a little bit about that. But well, I want to say this, the church, the bride, okay, is a redemptive community. And, and we live not only the experience of redemption, meaning I'm redeemed. Right. You know, my sins are paid for at the cross and I'm being redeemed. The power of sin is lessened and lessened in my life by the power of spirit. Right. So we're this redemptive community uh, living that experience. But we also the works of redemption uh, we're a part of. I'm redeeming. That's why our mission is both words and works speaking speaking and doing. Yeah, exactly. And so if if we're working out our salvation through being redeemed and redeeming, then our response to cultural issues is not to abstain from them. Yeah. But to be a part of the redemption of those things that God originally created is good. So that only that only pushes us to maturity by yeah. teaching us how to eat and drink and to have sex to the glory of God. Okay. But it's also a witness to the world that God is a redeemer. So huh. there's a lot of stuff in our life. We we often say, like, all sin really is something God created good and yeah. we perverted for selfishness or our glory. Yep. So so, do we abstain from that and just let the world go to hell, literally, mm-hmm. or do we do we enter in and say no no no, this is what redemption of that would look like? Yeah. Do we just go like, well, lots of pornography in the world, so don't do it and don't talk about it, or do we do we enter in and say no no no, this is what God created sex for in marriage and relationship, yeah. and do we enter into that muck with people not by masturbating, sure, <laughs> or, I'm, or I'm saying by or by having pornography in our life, I'm sure. saying, but. But by, by moving into redemptive works? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's totally possible. So wouldn't our hope be that the pervert would throw away pornography and abuse and, and he learns to love sex with a wife? Yeah. yeah see That's re- the redemptive side of it. Exactly. Yeah. Wouldn't the glutton, like, get to the point of refusing to order the five-piece fried chicken and, and fries, you know, a meal? Yeah. And learn to order maybe, you know, something a little healthier? Yeah, yeah, right. It's I mean, do you just not touch it because you're like, man, you're not healthy? Yeah, like, no, you do. Uh, wouldn't redemption be the alcohol abuser stops drinking until drunk and learns to stop, you know, and just enjoy it after a beer or two or yeah, something? Absolutely. Yeah. So I think as long as we make the issue of abstaining or retracting from culture sort of our thing, we actually will miss expressing and embodying redemption, hmm. and that's that's part of that's part of the why we're saved, part yeah. of the gospel. Why? Because God's working out the restoration, redemption of all things through, through us. us. Yep. So as that. soon as we say like mm, abstinence, there—that's the answer. You're going so you're so what, let me get let me get clear here with you. So the gospel can't redeem that part of our life or yeah. our culture. So what happens is as soon as I say abstinence, that's the answer here, bro. Someone else is watching, going like, so the gospel's not powerful enough to redeem that. I I wonder if it's it's probably not powerful enough in this area of my yeah life, sure enough my marriage this addiction. This is so powerful. powerful. Yeah. See, we, that's
0: what we have to be careful what we accidentally broadcast. That's right? good, man. So. You mentioned a second ago about having uh, stopping at a beer or two. And obviously on a topic like partying, the question comes up and maybe there's some people that are even listening that go, you know, maybe we shouldn't be drinking. Maybe, maybe we could stop. After or one our or denomination two. says none. Yeah. We're not abstinence is our jam. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> it's our God. Uh, so why do you think our clo- culture so closely relates celebration to the drinking of alcohol?
1: Well, I don't know exactly. I'm sure historically we could go back and look and see, but like, I mean, since way back, I mean, think about Jesus at the wedding. here sure. yeah, All right? That's yes, first. Yeah, it, it seems that for a very, very long time, uh, food and drink and goodness and deliciousness has all been a part of celebration, hmm. okay? Now, unfortunately, the things that get abused generally get the most press. Sure. And so, like you know i mean i just heard a statistic i couldn't even believe it i heard it yesterday on the radio um 70 plus percent of americans are overweight 50 percent are obese like
0: what yeah it
1: was on a show about this you know it's like what so you go like okay so that gets a lot of press but so so we should abstain from food yeah well we never would well you gotta eat you know well yeah but you don't have to kill yourself right so we want redemption would be the goal Sure. Right. Not, not, not addiction. Right. And so I think, I think these things have closely been related for as long as maybe people have been. And I think, um, you know, the church has kind of had three primary teachings and outlooks on all of it. They've had prohibitionist, right. The Bible teaches that alcohol consumption is totally forbidden. Yep. By scripture. I can't see that in there. Yeah, me neither. I'm just gonna be honest. I know I know we're gonna get mail, and that's okay. By the way, let me just pause a second and say wherever you know you're at, wherever someone's at on their use of alcohol, you gotta go with the spirit and you gotta go with your conscience, not with what I tell you. Okay. Absolutely. absolutely. And but I want to give a perspective on this. The prohibitionist like teaches that it's forbidden by scripture. Okay. I think you're having a hard time proving that. really hard time okay and people have tried like with me and others you can't um (laughs) there's the abstentionist we already talked about that that although the bible you know doesn't expressly forbid the drinking of alcohol the consumption of alcohol in our society is reckless and so we have to we can't do it yeah but then we already talked about then we're like gosh then we're like we don't participate in redemption yeah and then there's the moderationist that this view maintains that alcohol is permitted for christians as long as they don't it's consumed in moderation and in careful manner you know and so I think it really has to do with the attitude and the heart behind it.
0: Hmm.
1: Like, why Why would you go to a party? Why would you drink alcohol? Why would you not? Sure. Is it self righteousness? Is it, I can't trust God for this? Or, like, you know, I'm afraid of what my pastor will think, or I'm afraid of what my sister will you know. Yep. Like, well, that's fear of man. That's not trusting who God says. What says. That's sin then. Yeah. So you're not drinking out of sin? You know, yeah. so. It's a
0: flip side of that. What does scripture point, yeah.
1: say? Do all things unto Christ. 1 Corinthians 10 30. If I take part in the meal with thankfulness, why am I denounced? Because of something I thank God for. Hmm. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do or don't do, do it all for the glory of God, right? Yeah. And then later on in 1 Corinthians 16, 3, it says, be on your guard, stand firm in your faith. That means your belief, your trust. Be of courage, be strong, do everything in love. So I don't want to tell people, hey, drink, do it in love, Right? Do it to the glory of God. In other words, what's yeah. that mean? So that he be seen as accurate. Is God a drunk? No. So don't drink to that. Yeah. You know? Um, do everything in love. Christ and his redemption. That's the point. So just like in all the celebrations that we saw God gave to Israel to observe, they all pointed to what God was like in the redemptive work of Christ. All things in all ways restored to the Father. Faith, love, redemption. That should be our motivation for all of our celebrating. Hmm. Not abstaining, not freaking out. Not, you know, not forbidding people, you know, prohibiting it because that's the law. Let's put a fence around that. It's the only way to save people. Put a fence around. There's no Holy Spirit. Mm, Careful. It's faith, love, redemption. That should be our motivation. God's glory. That's the point.
0: I love that, man. So... One of the things that I'm wondering, and I know we don't have a ton of time left, uh, we've already gone over a bit. We're good, man. We're rolling here. It's a fun topic. Do you think (laughs) that the way we celebrate and the way we drink and the way we eat remind us of God's continued blessing in our life through Christ? And how do we get to show our culture what it looks like to celebrate unto the Lord? Good question. I think it does.
1: I think the way we celebrate or don't does show what we think is true of God and our life in Christ like absolutely does either side of that coin okay? okay but I think we can celebrate so sort of unto the Lord right I think the best example we see this in scripture um, I kind of mentioned it in glancing a minute ago was where we see wine and celebration used as an image of redemption and that's with Jesus at the wedding feast in Cana John yeah. 2 right their third day of a wedding party that's a huge wedding party right and they're running yeah. out of wine so Mary Jesus' mom comes and asks him to help. Jesus asks for jars of water that come, and the, and you know estimations now on that measurements maybe 150 gallons of water.
0: Okay, think about that. That's a lot of wine. That's a whole lot of wine. And it wasn't the bad wine. It was a good wine, right? We talked right, about that. Right. So, the wine.
1: so, this is three days into it. So, they've already finished off the other wine. I don't know how many gallons that was. It wasn't like, well, two bottles of wine in two days, and now 150 gallons. Well, Jesus, you we know. <laughs> no, so, it's consuming. something commensurate to the rate of consumption, okay? <laughs> Jesus chooses to do his very first miracle. This is like right out of the ministry box at a celebration, a wedding feast. Mm. And he uses a wedding and wine and celebration as a picture of what's all about to take place in his Mm. life and for all of us. Like when his time comes, he talks about, when Jesus will receive us as a bride and take us into himself and care for us and preserve us and love us forever. And so I think, you know, why is Jesus' first miracle at a wedding around wine and celebration and all that? He wants us to see that any picture of God that we have any picture of his father that we have that does not have at its core as our central understanding of who he is, is a celebration where God's the provider and caregiver and protector. Then it's twisted. Our, yeah. our, right. He, he, he's, why is that his first miracle? I mean, if it was my first miracle, man, straight to Children's Memorial. Let's heal some kids. Yeah, no joke. His whole thing is like, I'm, I'm inaugurating the kingdom. Check it out. It's a party. It's a celebration. Oh, by the way, it's the best you've ever tasted. Yeah.
0: I mean, which in they, that culture was different right? i mean you'd start with right? the best at that point already. Yeah.
1: Jesus, my goodness and then, and check this out too by the way jesus says that when he returns like he's doing this at the last supper when he returns that's when he'll drink a glass of wine with us right wow. again so that'll be a crazy celebration so for all those people out there who are it's like uh, you know our denomination we don't drink Jesus is coming back to drink a glass of wine with you. Please don't go like, nah, I don't want my pastor to think bad. Yeah, thanks for like, what get you've ready done. for that. You get the grape juice. But you, do yeah. you see, I mean, do you see, look at a pattern? So God's made this a pattern. Yeah. Throughout all of human history for His family, Jesus inaugurates His ministry. Boom! He sets this picture of celebration, abundance, the best generosity. He's going. That's what my dad's like. That's what the kingdom's like. Yeah. So when you say like, how do we get to party like that? What's our motivation yeah.
0: like that? Yeah. That's so awesome, man. Hey, so let's get to the big three. The big three are oh, yeah. the three takeaways that we want you to walk away with from this episode. Right three now. Things. Yeah. If nothing else. <laughs> yeah, nothing else. You get it for free by going to 123lifeschool.com forward slash episode 160. Uh, Caesar, what are the big three for this week? Okay. Big three for this week.
1: First one. Uh, don't, don't forget, God loves to celebrate, and he loves when we celebrate. Hmm so we, you know, like you said at the beginning we don't just throw out like God loves to party yeah. and he wants us to party yeah he actually does look at all those festivals <laughs> okay yeah. it's important it's important for us to shift our thinking about our heavenly dad when it comes to celebration and parties hmm. so if you've thought like mm, Christians don't do that and I know plenty of Christians and I you know get to travel and train all over the world yeah. they go like oh no we're forbidden. We can never go into a pub, or we can never go to a party if there's if there's this or that or this going on, right? Yeah. It's like our, the
0: church lady on <laughs> SNL.
1: Our God is a God of celebration and joy. Yeah. Like, believe it. Believe it, please. God set regular celebrations into the annual and daily calendars of his people, his family, so that they would always live with reminders of who he is and what he's like. And what if we did that more? Huh. Like, what if we just, every time we had a party, we were like, okay, what aspect of this party reminds us what God's like and how we yeah. get to live? And so that they could demonstrate this then to others and display their trust in his consistency, his goodness, his care, his generosity. That, yeah. That's first. I mean, don't miss that. Love that.
0: He loves to celebrate.
1: He loves when we do. Second, who or what is the focus of your celebration and party? Hmm. That's key. Like ask yourself that. Yeah. What's your focus? You know? When partying in any manner, whatever you're doing, so it doesn't have to be around food or alcohol. It could be like I'm going out and golfing, you know, yeah. but that's my celebration. celebration I mean, have you ever st- stopped to ask yourself, well, why? Why am I doing this today? Who will be glorified when I'm at this barbecue or I'm at the pub tonight? Hmm. The motivation of your heart when celebrating is really the point to remember. And God created you to enjoy him and all of his creation. Remember, it said, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Yeah. So ask yourself that. Who, who's getting the glory here tonight? And then third, I'm just going to say Christians need to party more. I agree. I got to do it. Big three. That's the big, big, big of the big three, right? Yeah. Christians should be seen as the most celebratory people in the world, man. I mean, God, can we get to live forever? For sure. Come on.
0: If anyone's got the good We're news, day, man. We yeah. should be party animals. Yeah.
1: Or more specifically, you should be the most celebratory people in your neighborhood or at work, okay? Sure. <laughs> but taking things that God created good, and, and He created everything good at the beginning, and then using them for our own glory or abusing them, that's at the root of all sin. Yeah. But, like we talked about, fearful abstinence misses the heart of God by a mile. Hmm. So God, we need to party more. Be generous. Be the bringer of the better wine per se like Jesus. So when you party, when you go to a party, when someone invites you, party hard, bring killer food, stick around, help them clean up the mess. (laughs) That's also a pitch to the gospel, right? (laughs) So regularly gathering community, not just in rows, share stories, celebrate, do all the cool stuff together, invite everybody you know.
0: Yeah, I love that, man. Hey, uh, those are the big three. The way, again, you can get those for free right now is by going to 123lifeschool.com forward slash episode 160. Yep. Uh, and You'll get them right away. Uh, also, I'd love to invite you to join our Facebook group. All you need to do is go to Facebook, type in the search bar, Life School Podcast. We'll, yeah, type it yeah. away. We'll type approve in. you to the group. We have conversations based as a little opportunity to go deeper. Uh, if you have some specific questions you want answered, you and I are There's both on there. There's a pretty huge
1: community on there now. Yeah. But not a lot of people participate, but I can tell how many people view it and are, you know, like, yeah. so, hey, don't just be a consumer. Jump in with yeah. us.
0: Yeah, because that's, I mean, we're Dive growing too. In. I'm loving it. Yeah. So we hope you you are uh, able to join that Facebook group. Next week, uh, we're actually one of the members of that Facebook group, Greg Heidel. Uh said hey I've got some questions for you guys and I think it'd make a fun episode and I said Greg I think you're right let's do it and so uh, next week's episode dedicated to him as we talk about whether or not the Bible is relevant anymore whoa we live in changing times is it is it an old ancient dusty book mine's digital uh, <laughs> and should it affect the way we think and live in today's context so, yep, good topic. So. No. we'll talk about that we hope that you will hang out with us for that episode next Monday thanks for joining us today for more information you can always visit 123 lifeschool.com forward slash podcast you